We are doing Musar. So last week we did Honor. And for those of you who weren't here, Honor is not honor due to you, but the honor that you give to someone else. Our hypothetical guy here who has got the personality traits laid out on the slide. And the way we've got this guy set up, he's got humility out of balance. And let's say just for sake of argument that his problem is that he has an excessive self-image. He's operating in pride. One of the things that we have said, and this is a good place to bring that up, is you can attack excessive pride two ways. Way number one is you can try and bring yourself down so that you're more in line with what God has in mind for you. Or alternatively, you can try and dial something else up that will compensate. So in our hypothetical guy here, when we went through humility, we gave you some exercises to figure out uh, whether you were prideful or excessively humble. And you all did that, and you found out whatever you found out. But let's assume that you've got a problem with pride. Well, the object of the exercise here is to get you so that you're not in God's way. So if you're dealing with somebody and you come across as really arrogant, that interferes with you being able to do what God would have you do with that person. So one of the things you can do is you can try and sort of dial back your arrogance. And that's the straightforward way to approach it. But the other thing you might do is instead of trying to dial back your arrogance, you dial up your honor. So you go out of your way to pay honor to the person that you're dealing with. And if you do that, what happens is your pride, which is out of balance, doesn't interfere with that transaction. So you've attained the goal of Musar, which is to have God be able to work through you with respect to the person you're talking to. You still have pride that you need to deal with at some point. But you've set yourself up by boosting honor in this transaction so that your pride is not a problem during that transaction. So one of the things that the Musar rabbis say is that in many cases it's much easier to go after a complementary character trait than it is to directly attack the one that you have a problem with. Uh, you will often be more successful boosting something else than you will have backing one thing down. So in this case, getting rid of pride is a difficult one. That's me, I know. So what you can do then is boost kindness, or boost honor, or boost generosity, so that during any given transaction, your pride ceases to be a problem. Now, you still want to deal with your pride. I'm not suggesting that you ignore pride, but I'm simply saying there's more than one way to approach being useful in God's hands. So what we had last time was honor. And we've said this a few times, but I'll say it one more time. The exercises that 
we're giving you cover the whole range of ways of dealing with your personality. So we've given you visualization. Visualization was the one that we did for honor. We've given you study with a friend. So all of these techniques can be used for any of the character traits. So the deal is, as we go through each character trait, we're doing a different kind of an exercise, not necessarily that that particular exercise is exclusive to the thing that we are studying that week. The idea is to give you a bag of tools that you can use, and sometimes you use one, sometimes you use another, depending on the situation. But they're not situation-specific. One other thing, none of you will have problems in every area. The fact that you are all mature believers and you are sitting here indicates that you're doing a lot of stuff right. So if one of these doesn't apply to you, just say, okay, that one's pretty much centered up and it's in good shape and I can move on to another. You don't have to invent a problem if you don't have one. So if you are somebody who doesn't have anybody that you can pull up in your mind that you can't stand, praise God. Good. The exercise was pull up somebody that you don't like in your mind and focus on looking at them. And you've all seen the computer things where they take a child and they age him and you can see what he's going to look like when he's an old person. Well, you can go both ways with that. You can take an old person and you can back him up. And back them up until you can get to a point where you can look at them and say, that person is an innocent child. Whatever happened to turn him into such a rotten so-and-so has not happened at that point in his life. And I can now look at that person and I can say, okay, I, I like that person. The idea here is not that this is going to change your perspective of that person overnight. But what it's going to do is it's going to leave a mark on your nephesh. And as you work through these things, those marks will eventually change your nephesh. It won't be instant, but it's an exercise to get you to change how you see a person. Moving right along. So what we're doing this week is generosity. And the Hebrew word that we're interested in is nedavut. Nedavut and zadokah are not the same thing. Zadokah is commanded giving. Your tithe and things like that. There are things that God says you will give. So that's zadokah. That's not generosity. That's obedience. Nedavut is generosity or giving that comes from the heart. You see a situation and you're just moved to give. Now, one of the things about our society is we are a very checkbook-oriented society. Understand that generosity is not limited to money. It can be attention. It can be time. It can be a helping hand. It can be all sorts of things. And one of the things that I always have to do when I'm talking about generosity is there is a pathology in the Christian church that says, well, I don't give money, but I give of my time. And while that is technically true, my impression is that it's usually cited to avoid opening your wallet. So be aware of that trap. I'm not suggesting anybody here does that. I'm simply saying that's a fairly common pathology in the church. 
that somebody will say, well, I come in early and I set up the altar, so that's my tithe. And what that sometimes is, is someone who doesn't want to give money. And as Ray and I both say, since neither of us gets paid, you don't need to worry that I am saying this because the offering is down this week. So as you're thinking about generosity, thing one is don't think only in terms of money. But thing two is don't discount money either. So whatever you have, you're moved to give. So moving along here, a couple of passages of scripture from Proverbs 28. He who increases his wealth by loans at discount or interest amasses it for one who is generous to the poor. A loan at discount is you come to me to borrow money and the loan amount is $1,000 but I only give you 900 so you're going to pay me back 1000 for the 900 I gave you. That's a loan at discount. The other way to do it is I'm going to give you the $1,000 but I'm going to charge you X percent interest over a period of time. So what this is saying is People who increase their wealth by doing things like that, the wealth that they increase is being stored up for those who are generous to the poor because God will make sure that it all balances out. So you may think that you're being really slick and really sharp and so forth and you're doing all sorts of sharp business practices and you're amassing a lot of money. What this is saying is God will arrange things so that those who are generous to the poor will wind up better off than you are. However that works out. And that, by the way, is true. And then the next one, again from Psalms, the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and give. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, for those cursed by him shall be cut off. Notice There's two concepts here, borrowing and then generosity. And notice how these are being played off against each other because if you borrow something, we don't think of that as being a permanent transaction. I lend you 50 bucks, at some point you're going to give me back 50 bucks, I hope. So it is not the case that I am being necessarily generous when I lend to you. I may be, it it could be. But that's contrasted with generosity. And it's saying that righteousness is generous and the wicked borrows but does not pay back. And then those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land and that by context of the righteous and those cursed shall be cut off and those by extension of the wicked. God recommends generosity, I will say that you are designed to be generous. And there was a saying this morning, you're made in the image of God. God is generous. God gives bountifully, and there's nothing that you can do to repay him. Everything is his. You're designed in that same image. Your heart is not healthy if it is not open and giving. There's a Hebrew phrase called timtum halev. What that means is a stopped up heart. The word is the same as tumai. Remember tahor and tumai? Clean and unclean. Well, tumai means stopped up 
or cut off or dead. So if you have a heart that is not moved to give, it is a pathological condition. You're not designed to be that way. Now, there's lots and lots of reasons why people are not generous. Fear. In other words, if I give stuff away, that means I'm not going to have enough. It is entirely possible to be overly generous. There are people who are just foolish in their generosity, and that's not good. There are also people who are under generous, and that's far more common, and those people have a stopped up heart. It's like a stream. If you've got everything behind a dam and you're saving it all up, that's not good. The other part that's not good is if the dam breaks and all the water goes down into the ocean and you don't get any. With everything, there's a balance. You can be out of balance either way. So one of the things that may cause you to not be generous is fear, especially generosity with physical things. Another thing that may cause you not to be generous is pride. How might that work? could be there's only so much praise to go around, and if you get it, that means I don't have any. Have you ever seen somebody being praised and lifted up, and you say to yourself, well, what about me? Why aren't they paying attention? Why are they paying attention to her? Why are they paying attention to me? That's pride, and that can cause you to stop up your heart. Another thing that can cause you to stop up your heart, and there's a story in the, I don't know if it's in the book or the website, I don't remember which, guy went to India, and as he's walking down the street, the street is lined with beggars. And some of them are blind, and some of them are missing limbs, and they're dressed in rags. And the tendency there is, this is overwhelming. I can't help everybody, so I won't help anybody. And so you're protecting your heart from if I give here, then I'm going to look at the next person. I'm not going to have anything to give them. So if I let my heart be open in giving, my heart's going to get hurt because I can't rise to the level of need that's in front of me. And what this guy did is, as he was faced with that is he walked down the street and as he felt led for a particular person, he'd throw a coin in their cup kind of a thing, but didn't feel guilty about not being able to give to everyone. So there's lots of things that can cause your heart to get stopped up. Similar example, you, know, you're, you see these people on the street in Longmont holding up the tattered cardboard sign. And it is entirely possible to convince yourself, well, the only reason that person is here is he migrated to Colorado because pot's legal, and he's a druggie, and he's on the street blowing pot, and he doesn't deserve my generosity. So there's lots of ways you can rationalize to yourself not giving. And the point is, if you have a stopped up heart, you are the one who is being hurt. You're the one whose life is being diminished by your stopped up heart. In fact, if you talk to Step 13, it's a men's recovery shelter in Denver. The guy that set it up had himself been a homeless drunk, and finally got out of it and set up this ministry, and he takes no government assistance whatsoever, will not accept government assistance. But one of the things that he said is, don't give these people money, because you are very often just buying booze or cigarettes for them. 
I understand that perspective, and, and certainly what you're doing is, I was going to say more sound. I'm not sure it is more sound, but it is certainly very sound, because there are times when money is the appropriate thing, and there are times when figuring out what it is they actually need is the appropriate thing. When I'm driving out of King Supers and you got people sitting on the corner, I tend to pull over and hand them a couple of bucks. But doing what you're doing is, I wasn't going to say better, it may not be, it's different, but it's certainly every bit as generous. One of the things you can be generous with is your attention. And that's why I said early on that we tend to be a cash-centric society. So we tend to think of generosity in terms of cash. That's not what's being talked about here or not being talked about exclusively. They say spending a moment to talk to them and ask what their problem is and listen to them and so forth. In fact, when I used to consult, I was down in Phoenix and there's a bridge overpass near the hotel where I was there. And this bum was there and he's got a bicycle and he's got it on a sign, praise the Lord, or, or words to that effect. And so I don't have anything to do at night. I, so I walked over to the underpass and started to talk to him, got to know him, talked to him for a couple, three days. And finally, at the end, I handed him a $20 bill. And he said, no, I can't take that. Because if a cop stops me, he's going to wonder where I got that much money. And so, you know, I'd gotten to know him over a period of two or three days and gotten to know his story and all that kind of stuff. And no, that's too much money. And one of the things that our society does is, unlike Angel and her father, they don't get involved with people. And what they wind up doing is saying, money will solve this, so we'll set up a program that will send money to it. And therefore, we don't have to engage with them. We don't have to deal with them because we have set up a program that gives them money. And if I had money every week, I would be fine, so why aren't they? So yes, it's a, an attempt to use a government program to solve a spiritual problem, and it doesn't work. The tendency is to hear those stories and shut your heart. And not suggesting that you be foolish in your giving, use discernment, but also understand that not having an open and generous heart hurts you. It doesn't hurt them. There's two sides to giving. Biblically, being a beggar is an honorable profession. Not a desirable profession, you understand, but it's honorable. Because without beggars, the rest of us don't have anybody to be generous to. So as you're dealing with people, understand that in order for you to have someone to give to, there has to be someone who needs what you're giving. You've got to have both sides of that equation. Another proverb that I like very much is that money given to the poor is linked to the Lord. You will repay. So lots of good scripture on that. So this week's exercises. Your phrase that you start the day off, pick one. A generous heart gives freely. There are many ways to give. Whatever makes sense to you. And the exercise is to do three acts of generosity each day. It doesn't have to be money. You have to do three acts of generosity each day. So you could take another basket of stuff over to your fruitcake neighbor. It could be anything. And plan. Think about it ahead of time. Don't just go through the day hoping things will happen. Think about what you want to do. And then, of course, be sensitive to the times when you hesitate to be generous. In other words, 
When an opportunity for generosity arises and you hesitate, record that. Because that will give you a map of what you need to work on. I said once before that I normally give a couple of bucks to people standing on the street corner as I'm driving by. And I drove by one couple, young couple, and as I was driving up, the girl I could see was pulling a hoodie over her hair because she was dyed like a parrot. And I looked at the two of them and I, something said, no, I'm not going to give them any money. Not that her hair was dyed like a parrot, but the thing that went through my mind is these are perhaps pot tourists to Colorado. We get a lot of those, you know, people that show up in Colorado because pot's legal here now. But they just gave me a sense that that was what was going on there. I may have been completely wrong. So there's two ends of the spectrum. One is stingy. The other is stupid and giving stuff away that you shouldn't want to be given. So you want to be somewhere in between.